we are, so yesterday, we went through observation, which is what does a passage say, remember we looked at all the details, <laughs> then we leaned into interpretation, why does it say us, it, why does it say it, today we're going to start with Jesus, you're going to do Jesus, That's it. amen, and then Jesus. I'll finish this up with application, I want to ask really quick, before I pray and we start, any questions about what we did yesterday, any lingering questions, confusion, anything, anything, Anything other than how did you write that song, Mark? <laughs> Anything else? Okay, great. Let me pray. We'll hand it right over, okay? Mm -hmm. God, thank you for this day you've given us. I'm very grateful for our time upstairs where um, Ben just opened your word to us. Even, even this morning, Lord, help us to have our, our Bibles open, the scripture before us, and would our words be kind and gracious and gentle in a way that, that honors you and reflects how you speak to us. And so pray that you would help us during our sessions today, uh, hone and our skills in Bible study, particularly right now, that we may see Jesus in the midst of all of these words. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, the most important thing to do in any good Bible study is connected to Jesus. Otherwise, we're left thinking it's all up to us. And we know where that goes very quickly. As, as Ben was saying, down the toilet, right? We are teapots, not toilets. So we are going to connect this, the passage to Jesus. And we're going to do that in four different ways. If you open your packet, pages 60 and 61, we are going to connect things up to Jesus. The first thing we have to do before we connect to Jesus is know the main point of the text. And I think we had showed you yesterday how observation, what the text says, leads to good interpretation. Why does it say it? And it gets to the main point of the text. Then we got to connect it to Jesus. Once we have that main point, there are four key ways to do that. And we'll look at them, reversal, replacement, completing, and fulfillment. But before we get there, look at the top of your outline. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. A sermon or Bible study without Christ? Well, it might as well talk about a loaf of bread without any flour in it. How can it possibly feed the soul? Right? It becomes a burden not food for the soul. That's why we're con connecting everything to Christ. The goal on your outline that you might see says to obey the words and example of Jesus. I want you to cross that out. This is very dramatic, isn't it? Cross that out. The goal of obeying the words and example of Jesus. Because just seeing Jesus as an example or a moral teacher, again, is moralism. What we want to do is see how Jesus replaces something in the text or takes the place on the cross. We always want to connect it to his death and his resurrection. And then from that, out of joy flows obedience. So you just cross that out. Instead, can you say, Seeing and receiving God's grace in Christ.
Christ, seeing and receiving God's grace in Christ. That's the goal of connecting to Christ. That's the first goal. And out of gratitude, when we see God's grace, of course, then we obey out of gratitude, not to earn our place. So look at verse, verses 25 through 27 on your outline from Luke 24. These are pretty amazing words. This happened after Jesus rose from the dead. He was on the road to Emmaus speaking with two men on the way. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. This is astounding. Jesus displayed for these men how every single one of the books of the Bible in the Old Testament pointed to him. It's one story, and it's all about Jesus. There are four different ways to connect a text to Jesus. First, you have reversal. Reversal. And you might want to make a note. This is just, how does Jesus take the fall? How do you see Jesus taking the fall that we deserve or that someone in the text deserves? That's the first way to connect it to Jesus. The second way is replacement. And we're going to give examples of each of these so that you can see what this practically, how we do this. Replacement. So Jesus takes the place of someone in the text. He replaces someone in the text. So first is the reversal. He takes the fall. Second is replacement. He takes the place. Third is completing. And Jesus completes the picture. In your outline, this is all about biblical themes. When we see a theme that runs all the way through the scripture, how does Jesus complete this picture? or complete this biblical theme. This could feel very overwhelming right now if you're just getting familiar with the scriptures, but the more you know, the more you'll see it. And you can even talk to an older Christian in your life or a staff worker, and they'll help you see how to do this more. And number four is fulfillment. Fills the role. How does Jesus fill the role? So the key you might want to write down is fill the role. Filling that role. Okay, so let's go through these. These are the key questions to ask. Number one, how does Jesus reverse this passage? And if you look on page 60, I have some text there we want, we want you to look at. Mark 4. Let's see. Anybody feel like standing up and waking up and reading for us? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah? Oh, I see you. I see that pen. Go ahead. You can stand up. <laughs> he volunteered someone else. <laughs> Come on. Mark four. Nice and loud. Thank you. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Awesome. Thank you for reading. All right. So in this text, it's important that you know the literary context before we can get to the main point so that we can do this idea of reversal. The literary context, just so you know, is that before this, Jesus says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it can move a mountain. So it, it matters. The object of your faith is what is most important. That's what comes before this. And then after this, you'll see that the demons even recognize who Jesus is, but they don't have faith in him. Okay? So in this cultural context, the object of the faith is what matters. And did you notice what happened here? Jesus is in a storm, in a boat with his disciples. He's asleep. And his disciples do not recognize that he is God himself, right? And how does he end this? Do you guys see that question? He says to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Do you still not see and recognize who I am? Do you see the point of this passage is even the disciples had no faith in Jesus yet. But the replacement, excuse me, the reversal is Jesus, who had perfect faith and displayed it on the cross, he actually takes the fall for the disciples. That's where you see Jesus incredibly shine. He is the great reversal in this passage. He who had perfect faith in the Father died on the cross for those who have faith in him, but don't display it very perfectly, do they? Okay, so that is the great reversal. The one with perfect faith was condemned as if he had no faith at all. This great reversal. Who died? The one who didn't deserve it, Jesus. Reversal. He takes the fall. So that's the first one, and that's the first question. How does Jesus reverse this passage? Nextly, let's look at a replacement where Jesus replaces someone in this passage and ultimately at the cross. So the question on your outline is how does Jesus replace someone in this passage? And we have Mark 1, verses 41 through 45. Would you be willing to read that, Sam? Thank you. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Mm -hmm. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to a priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, or approve to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to press and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every port. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, so in this passage, did you notice what happens? Jesus displays 
his authority as God over leprosy and heals this leper. And he asked the leper to do one thing. Did you notice what it was? Don't tell people, right? Show yourself, don't tell people. But the leper instead does tell people. And so the leper, who he himself was not allowed to be in public, he was unclean. He was the outcast. He ends up coming into the community because Christ healed him. And then did you notice what happens to Jesus? Look in the text. What happens to Jesus? Because the leper told people. Right? Verse 45. The leper went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus himself could no longer openly enter a town but was out in the desolate places. Do you see a replacement in the text itself? Do you see how Jesus takes the place of the leper? But then it's in this text, but more than that, now you always go to the cross. Think about how that was displayed on the cross fully. Jesus, the one who deserved to be loved by the Father, instead was rejected by his father on the cross. My Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me, right? So do you see how Jesus ultimately fully replaces, takes the place that we deserve, the place where the sinner deserves to die on the cross? This is a way to connect the passage to Christ. He takes our place, and he took the place of the, le- the leper in this, in this text. So that's how Jesus replaces someone. Third question, how does Jesus complete a biblical theme? And I would just underline complete, okay? And, and a biblical theme is important as well. I underline that. But I think completing the biblical theme is really, it takes... That's the key of this um, way to connect the gospel in. It completes the picture in the scripture. So we're going to look at Mark 2, bless you, um, verses 18 through 20. Debbie, can you read that one for me? Sure. Mark 2, 18 through 20. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Mm -hmm. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Bottom line, the main point, bless you, the main point of this text is Jesus is the bridegroom. Pretty, pretty apparent, right? He is the bridegroom. Now, if you had started reading through the scriptures, you would see all throughout the scriptures, God is pictured as a bridegroom to his people. And Jesus is the completion of that theme. 
He is the true bridegroom. And this is the way that we can connect Christ in to this text, seeing the theme and connecting Christ to it. Ultimately, we know that when he comes, returns again, he is the bridegroom who comes back for his people, the bride, and we are his people. The only way that he has redeemed a bride is by laying down his life for us at the cross. He completes that picture of the bridegroom. Lastly, let's look at fulfillment. Sometimes people call, talk, talk about a, um, a type that, that looks ahead to an anti-type. That's just a um, theological terminology here. Well, in the Old Testament, there are lots of roles. You can see prophets. You can see priests. You can see kings. You can see Passover lambs. There are all of these roles that were fulfilled in Christ. And that's how you can connect to Christ as well. Fulfillment, prophet, priest, king, shepherd, Passover lamb. So let's look at Mark 12, verses 1 through 8. Can you do that one for me? Thanks, Cassie. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent his servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit from the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and the and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, his a beloved son. Finally he sent him to, to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. Hmm. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. All right, thank you. Yeah, so in this, you can see this parable is talking about a vineyard and servants are sent into the vineyards and they are killed. And then ultimately the owner of the vineyard says, I'm going to send my most beloved son. And if I send him, well, certainly they won't kill him, but they do. Do you see how Christ himself fills that role of the servant of God that goes out into the vineyard? He is the son that goes and is killed for his people. He's killed by the rulers and he fulfills the role that's spoken of. So these are really four hooks you can hang your, your hat on. You can start to connect Christ up. Reversal, replacement, completing and fulfillment. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. And often the more you do it in community, the easier it is to see together. So we're going to take some time and we're going to do this with our big passage, Mark 4. So you might want to flip over to Mark 4, which is on page 56. And I, I want to get us kind of in the mindset here because we, I hope you got a chance to reread it. I know I did this morning. 
Um, and then I'm going to have you break into your groups again. So you can group up with like three or four people um, and connect the passage to Christ. But remember, we're always trying to connect the main author's main point to Christ. And if you remember our text, which I'm trying to think, we probably don't have, have time to read it out loud right now. But remember, if you just heard verses one through nine, you would have thought, oh, Jesus taught about farming. Isn't that interesting? But if you were trying to figure out what the point is, you would have gone to Jesus and then figured out what the point is. And that comes in verses 10 through 12. The main point of this being that he who has ears to hear goes to Jesus and asks for understanding. He who has ears to hear goes to Jesus and asks for understanding. That is the main point of this text, right? And we see him explain the parable to them because they asked. And this is called the secret of the kingdom of God. So the main point, he who has ears to hear goes to Jesus and asks for understanding. That's who has ears to hear. So now I want you to think through reversal, replacement, completing, or fulfillment. You can use any one of those four and think about how can you connect this in to Jesus, particularly his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. Okay, any questions before we do this? Nope. All right, break into groups and then I will give you, I'm gonna give you till 10 after. So that a good amount of time, 11, 10. So break. I hope that you realized that you could use more than one way to connect this text to Christ. Yeah, because the gospel is a diamond and it has many beautiful facets to connect into Jesus. The one that, that I really resonates with me that I that I think connects to Christ's death in on my place, in my place, is this idea of reversal. Okay, so if those who have ears to hear go to Jesus to ask for understanding, okay, who had the the perfect ears to hear? Christ. Jesus had perfect ears, right? He only always went to his father for understanding. In fact, he lived to do his will. But the one who had perfect ears to hear died as if he had no ears to hear. He died and took the place of we who don't have perfect ears to hear. Okay? And that is just one way to connect this text to Christ, the reversal. But I hope that you kind of have started to work on these and do it yourself. And these four ways, even as staff, we, we are always doing this in text and we're encouraging each other to do that. Um, so our flow here, we got connected up the gospel um, and Jesus. Now, at this point, we can turn the corner and we can start to apply it to ourselves. But first we have to understand through the context, through good observation, what did this mean 
to them then. Why was this text here? Why does it say it the way it says it? And you get the author's name point. Connecting to Jesus. And now Mark is going to take it away and do some application and connect it to application. 